lost boss bitches. All we got those em. lost ones. We got a bunch of them. By a bunch, I mean two that we're going uh, to relate you to you in about a, today. appropriate amount of time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't worry. We're not going to keep you too long. We won't keep you that we long. We just you're busy. Yeah, we all have lives. We all have things that we need to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for spending a little slice of yours with us. Uh-huh, you're important. We you're believe in you. And you're appreciated. Yeah, and we love you. So that's what I'm going to talk that's how I'm gonna talk to everybody now. You're nice. You're kind. You you yeah. is important. Yeah, I just want to be uplifting this year. Yeah, 2018. Does it feel different to you this year? Uh, you know, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I had a real handle on my anxiety at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and then it being a new year, it really ramped it back up. Oof. So in that way, kind of shitty. But okay. then. I'm also making 2018 the year of boundaries. I like that. So I'm going to say no when I want to say no. And I'm going to say yes when I want to say yes. Because I feel like I don't always do that. Um, I think a lot of us have problems with that. Yes. Especially when we're like, well, should we do that? Like the shoulds, I think, get in the way of stuff. Yeah. And then you feel like, oh, am I really going to, like, is this going to alter the course of my life? Mm -hmm. And usually the answer is no. And yeah. usually I realize if I was thinking, oh, I don't want to do this, usually I was right in thinking that, you know? Yeah. I think sanity is more important. Yes. Than a lot of the stuff that we think is important. Yes. Quality of life, self-care, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So important. Absolutely. What Absolutely. about you? Does it feel different? It feels mellower. I mean, 2017 for me, if we're speaking candidly, it was a real shit show. Listening, was a shit show. Yeah. It was the worst year probably in my life. Uh, end of 2016 was pretty bad too, probably for a lot of us. But I'm just ready for it to be mellow. I'm ready to like get it together. I'm, I feel good. I feel good. Good. Yeah. If you are a long time listener, you remember I was also in New York. We were like recording these like mm-hmm. kind of like piecemeal. So I don't know. It feels very really, like grounded. Like I'm in LA. I'm not going anywhere for an extended period of time for yeah. a while. That's nice. That's great. Cool. Well, I hope everybody else is enjoying their 2018 so far. Yeah. This will be uh, put out at the end of this month. So Mm -hmm. So you got one month under your belt, 11 to go. Yeah. Did you you lose those five pounds? I didn't. (laughs) I didn't either. (laughs) I did not. I am on track to not do that. (laughs) That's right. I'm on track to gain more five pounds. (laughs) Same Z's. Um, so yeah, sure. I'll go first. Uh, my lost boss bitch this week is Hannah Sinesh. Um, Mm. it's weird because I don't, first it's, it's S Z E N E S and then people change it to Sinesh. So I'm going to say that that's how you pronounce it. Let's do it. Common theme in lost boss bitch is we're not sure. Just a bunch of Midwestern bitches. Just trying to get these words out. other bitches (laughs) names. (laughs) But we ha- we respect you still. Yeah, we, we do. do. We're just we just don't know what's going on. We, we can, got clunky tongues. Yeah, we know that you guys mastered fourteen languages. We barely know one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the way we say it is <laughs> not correct. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, just, just getting it out there. Yeah. So uh, Hannah was a Jewish paratrooper trained to rescue Jews during the Holocaust. Whoa. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I don't remember how I found her, but once I did, I was like, "You're the one." Yeah. Um, so she was born July 21st, 1921, to an assimilated Jewish family in Hungary. Ooh. So I didn't realize this, but uh, when Jews would assimilate around those times, it meant that they kind of got they got rid of their traditional garb 
Some converted to Christianity. It doesn't seem like her family did that, um, but they wanted to blend into their cultural cultural surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, her father was a playwright and a journalist, but he died when she was six. Uh, she definitely took after him literarily. She kept a journal from the time she was 13 until shortly before her death. Um, and she was enrolled in a Protestant private school for girls, they, but they also accepted Catholic and Jewish pupils. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not Protestant, though, most of those of the Jewish faith had to pay up to three times the amount that Catholics oh, paid. Jesus. Catholics and Pro- Protestants yeah, paid. Protestant tax. Um, but because Sinesh um, was considered a quote-unquote gifted student, she only had to pay mm-hmm. twice the regular tuition. <laughs> only double. Yeah, just double. <laughs> So because of um, knowing that bullshit and the situation that Jews in Hungary were facing at the time, um, it was becoming pretty precarious. This is, mm-hmm. you know, just pre-World War II. Um, it prompted her to embrace Zionism, which mm-hmm. I also was not... My parents I, are going to love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so will my uh, husband's parents. <laughs> oh, my God. Jewish parents. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> Um, so she joined the Machabia, 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 yeah, Machabia, uh-huh. or you can say Machabia, Machab, <laughs> strong. There we go. I've been working on my ha. Yes, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which was the Hungarian Zionist Students Organization. Um, and when she finished school in 1939, she decided to immigrate to the British Mandate of Palestine to study agriculture agriculture and joined a, a kibbutz. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, which at the time was pretty much, for those of you that don't know, a mm-hmm. commune with um, ideals in sociology. Sociology. You know what I mean? And Zionism. So, yeah, like socialists. Yes, like. exactly. So it's, you know, it's a co-op. People work together. Yeah, and co-op. You raise your kids together. My, actually, my great uncle was on one for a while. I would love to live on a kibbutz. Yeah, although kibbutz. I looked I saw I, when I was in Israel, uh, I saw that they're very like small. Like you don't get a lot of space to yourself, oh. which I need a little, at least a little bit of yeah, space. Yeah, me too. But I do like people cooking for me and cleaning my shit up. So, True. and I love being surrounded by goats and I feel like there mm-hmm. would be goats there, right? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a goat there. A lot of goats. If you don't have a goat like What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Um, so blah, 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 blah. She joined, um, Haganah, which was, uh, the parliamentary group that laid the foundation for the Israeli defense forces. Mm. Um, blah, 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 blah. I have this. Okay. In 1943, she enlisted in the British army and the women's auxiliary air force as an aircraft woman, second class, and began her training in Egypt as a paratrooper wow. for the British Special Operations Executive, also known as SOE. Um, so on after her training on March 14th, 1944, she and two colleagues, Yol Polgi and Peretz Goldstein, were parachuted into Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia and joined the Yugoslav Parisians, which was a communist-led resistance to the Axis power. Wow. Chiefly Germany. Um, maybe you've heard of them, the Nazis. Oh. Yeah. So in Occupy, blah, 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 blah. Um, after landing, they learned that the Germans had already occupied Hungary. So the, the dudes decided mm-hmm. to call off the mission mm-hmm. as it was too dangerous. But you know what Hannah did? What? She did not call off that mission. Uh-uh. And she's like, I'm going to Hungary. Like, mission on. I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm going to save my people. Yeah. 
Um, so she continued on and headed for the Hungarian border, but at the border, she and her companions that were still with her were arrested by Hungarian gendarm, gendarmes, you know, um, (laughs) who found her British military transmitter, um, used to communicate with the SOE and other partisans. So they're like, oh, you're an enemy. She was taken to prison, stripped, tied to a chair. Then whipped and clubbed for three days. Holy shit. She lost a bunch of teeth um, and was not in good shape. Uh, They tried to get um, the code out of her for the transmitter so they could find out what they uh, were there for and to trap other people that could be coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But she refused. She was transferred to a Budapest prison and repeatedly interrogated and tortured, but only revealed her name and refused to provide the transmitter code, even when her mother was arrested. Her mom was probably like, thanks, Hannah. Yeah, right. Just tell him the code. Just tell him the code. She's like, no, mom, I won't do it. I won't do it. She's like, you're going to lose a couple more teeth. And you're like, like I, won't I'm not, I won't do it. God. Um, they threatened to kill her mother if she did not cooperate, but she still confu- or refused, not confused. Um, while there, she used a mirror to flash signals out the window to prisoners in other cells and communicated using large cutout letters that she placed in her cell window. Fun, cute. Right? Crafts, <laughs> arts and crafts. My dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and one at a time by drawing the Megan David in the dust. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So she really fucking oh, went for it. I know. A little Jewish star in the dust. Yeah, oh, my God. If there was a film version, it would just like blow it. Uh-huh. Oh, well, a single tear rolled down her cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, she was tried for treason on October 28th, 1944, mm. and was executed by a German firing squad on November 7th of the same year. Um, it's just quick. You know? Yeah, that's true. But listen to what this bad bitch did. Mm-mm. She refused to be blindfolded, <laughs> staring squarely at each of her yeah. executors and her fate. I think I just came, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah! Just staring right down oh. that barrel at those Nazis. She's just like, fuck you. Oh God, and I she was that. only 23. Fuck. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> the ages always throw us off. I know. Like, <laughs> oh. really, you're like, whoa. whoa. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, she oh. kept diary entries until her last day in prison. Mm-hmm. And one poem, poem from it read, one, two, three, eight feet long, two strides across. The rest is dark. Life is a fleeting question mark. One, two, three, maybe another week or the next month may still find me here. But death, I fear, is feel or I feel is very near. I could have been 23 next July. I gambled on what mattered most. The dice were cast. I lost. Oh, God. I was also going to make a joke about it not rhyming, but then <laughs> I, I heard the rest of it. I was like, oh, it's pretty Yeah. Good. And wow. her diary is published in Hebrew in 1946. Mm-hmm. Her remains were brought to Israel in 1950, and her tombstone was brought to the to Israel on November 2007 and placed at Stot Yam, which was the kibbutz that she lived on. Damn. So, yeah. Damn. And that's, I mean, like, Israel at that point, too, like, when she would have like learned how to be a soldier and stuff mm-hmm. would have been like uh, like who the fuck knows seriously very intense mm-hmm. she really wow. i mean when, when you say that she rolled uh, when she writes in her like poem that she rolled the die i was like but you, you like she signed up for like this life like yeah intense like one like wonderful and like brave life but so dangerous so dangerous i mean she 
She had her convictions and mm-hmm. she knew, I'm sure she knew that she was probably going to die yeah, when she was. Especially like, you know, day 47 into her torture. You know, like I, once you're tortured for like so long. Yeah. Wow. Well, man. Yeah. Damn. So Hannah Sinesh. I love it. I love it. And also very sad. Very sad. Um, I also have a Jew for my lost. Ooh. Bitch. So this is a very Semitic episode. Very. <laughs> um, I did uh, Theta Barra, who uh, actually, so your lost boss bitch was, she would be in like the wave of immigrants that left Europe, uh-huh. um, like kind of a generation later. This was one that kind of came in through Ellis Island, um, her parents anyway. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just get right into it. Uh, so Theta Barra was born Theodosia Burr Goodman on July 29th, 1885. Oh, um, I love that Cincinnati. name. Cincinnati, Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, okay, so she's no, she's an actress. She's like, like kind of the first sex symbol is what uh, a lot of people know her as, is like uh, kind of this mysterious temptress sex Ooh. symbol. Born in Cincinnati, yeah, baby. Yeah, the sexiest <laughs> city in the country. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, she was born to a rich uh, Jewish tailor, a Poli- uh, Polish tailor, Jew. Um, and her mom was a, a Swiss Jew. And so they... Married. I didn't even know they made those. I know, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, she was named after the daughter of U.S. Vice President Aaron Burr. Oh, yeah. Too. Uh, Aaron Burr, name, sir. Yeah, middle name. Theodosia Burr Goodman. So, feminine. I yeah. get it. Um, so, she went to Walnut Hills High School, graduating in 1903, after attending the University of Cincinnati, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Cincy and the hizzy. <laughs> God, I love being fun of Ohio. It's so <laughs> funny. Uh, um, so she went uh, there for two years. She worked mainly in local theater productions, but did explore other projects. They didn't say what. Um, after moving to New York City in 1908, she made her Broadway debut in The Devil. Oh. Um, so. Um, Sounds like a funny romp. Right? So it's like young girl from the Midwest, big dreams, mm-hmm. right? Tales hold as time. Now you're in the devil. Exactly. So uh, so then she started doing film work. Um, short films, again, they were not like super... The film industry was very different, especially mm-hmm. in New York, too. Um, it was a lot of Jewish immigrants who created this industry. So That's she, why Mel Gibson hates, hates the Jews. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Taking all his work. Um... So she primarily shot at the Fox Studios in Fort Lee, New Jersey. <laughs> We're hitting all the, the big metropolitan areas. <laughs> New Jersey! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, she lived with uh, family in New York City during this time. Uh, the rise of Hollywood as the center of the American film industry forced her to relocate to Los Angeles to film the epic uh, movie Cleopatra. Oh, who um, was she in Cleopatra? She was Cleopatra. She was? Yeah, it was one of her biggest hits. Um, and again, it was just like a weird industry because she did a lot of short films and mm-hmm. she would make these films and like it was hard to know like what was a hit and what you know like it, there was such a small market for it and was it still silent at this point yes it was still silent um so and you will probably if you know this person you will know her as the cleopatra character um because you she had like a lot of press photos taken of in costume as oh cleopatra. yeah okay it was like very like dramatic eye you know like what you would think yeah um, but a jew you know like right <laughs> like very, <laughs> think about that so then she got huge after this. People used her for lots of films between 1915 and 1919. She was Fox's biggest star. She was typecast as like a vamp. 
Um, she was, so she was there for five years. She, her final Fox film was The Lure of Ambition in 1919. In 1920, she turned briefly back to the stage. Oh. Um, and again, she drew a lot of crowds to theater because, you know, she had finally gotten like some notoriety as notoriety. That's not the right. She was famous. Yeah. Notoriety. Um, yeah. Sure. But critics never liked her acting. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It did not translate. It's weird because she did like a couple plays, got into film and then from film back to theater and critics were like, oh, yeah, it doesn't... No, we don't like it's you. It's a different medium. Like, yeah. It's so weird, though, because she didn't speak in the films. Mm-hmm. Or I guess there would have been subtitles, right? Yeah, there would have been, like, title cards. But also, like, acting in films, it's so, like... The, especially the films of that day. And maybe that would have translated in my mind because it's, like, to big th- Right, exactly. They didn't like her. All right. They did Sorry, not Theodosia. fucking like her. Um, so her career really suffered without being um, a contracted Fox actor. So she didn't make another film until 1925, which was The Unchastened Woman mm. for Chadwick Pictures Corporation. Ever heard of them? Mm. Chadwick I, Pictures I Corporation? <laughs> no, I haven't either. So then um, she made one more film before re- retiring, the short comedy Madam Mystery, again, using her like vampy like sexiness. Mm-hmm. Um and she kind of parodied what she was at that point, too. So okay. I, I think she was kind of, it was nice to feel like someone's in on the joke a little bit. Um, so at the height of her fame, she earned $4,000 a week. A little different than, uh, than, than some of the other women that we've right. talked about. $200 a year. Yikes. Yeah. Wow, $4,000 a week is good mm-hmm. now. Yeah. She was fucking raking it in. I know. She was rich as fuck, as some would say. Um so she, again, she wanted to avoid typecasting, but she really kind of always went back to it. Like she even did, she was Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. Nobody really liked it. <laughs> um, she was just better as like the exotic, which is also very interesting because she's from a Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> she was like the exotic temptress. Like, it, and also she's of Polish and Swedish mm-hmm. descent. So a slap it of makeup about, on seriously. Someone, I think, like you can do anything. Yeah. Um, so... Let's see. The origin of her stage name, no one really knows about. People say that a director called her that, um, and that or that Theta was like a childhood nickname. Um, nobody really knows. Um, and I mean, actually, Theta makes sense for Theodosia, right? right? You um, can't call him Theodosia all the time, right? Um, but again, she didn't have any like on the record origin of her name. But her family cha- legally changed their name. To Bera, their last name. Really? After she got famous. <laughs> yep, good. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. Like, How do we set ourselves apart here in Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, she's ours. We claim her, uh, this famous person. Um, so she is the first sex symbol. Uh, she wore very revealing costumes in her films, which again, are not revealing by our standards. Right. A lot of tassels I saw. Huh. A lot of different, like, fun, shaky tassels, a lot of uh, textiles, um, drapery, which was, again, I guess, uh, kind of controversial how dare you wear non-form-fitting clothes right what um so it was popular at the time to promote an actress as mysterious with an exotic background (laughs) so how did they try to make that work were they like girl from cincinnati what are we gonna do they were like in a meeting um as one might with women in media (laughs) so they they build her as an egyptian-born daughter of a french actress and italian sculptor they claim she had spent her early years in the sahara desert under the shadow of the sphinx oh my god a little specific but she's always under there right Um, how long can you really lay in the shadow of the sphinx (laughs) really it's cool i get it but come on she's gotta eat um and sometimes the sun's gonna move so the shadow will move too she move with the shadow 
That's a good question. Be more specific. <laughs> and when it's dark, there's technically not even shadows. Yeah, it's yeah. Just what dark. do you think about that? What do you? What's the answer to that, <laughs> studio executive? It just doesn't work. If only we were there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to be snarky in person. Our job is to pull apart your pitch for... That's right. Your lies. <laughs> exactly. Your dumb lies. Um, okay. So the, then she moved to France to become a stage actor. That's part of her whole thing. Um, they called her the Serpent of the Nile and I encouraged her to discuss mysticism and the occult in interviews. What? Girl from Cincinnati. Got it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of film historians uh, point to this as the birth of two Hollywood phenomena. The studio publicity department, like press people, mm-hmm. um, and, and just like PR in general. Like publicity, PR, like kind of branding, I guess, in like a greater sense. And then a Nick Kroll sketch. Exactly. It would not exist without Theta Barra. Exactly. So she married a British-born American film director, Charles Braben, in 1921. They honeymooned at the Pines Hotel in Canada. (laughs) Exotic. Exotic. (laughs) It it lends a lot to her mythology. Yes. Um, And then she bought uh, some property over there. Um, They had no children. But she also had a villa-style home in Cincinnati, which served uh, as some part of Xavier University there. Oh. Um, so it's still there. But uh, what else did I want to say? How'd they she die? They wanted her to make a movie comeback. Um, she died of stomach cancer on April 7th, 1955 Aww. in L.A. That's a bummer. Yeah. But she's in Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale, California, which Exotic. you can go see her grave. Yeah, there. But she she was always like trying to kind of make a comeback, trying to like get out of the mold. But she also had a pretty like healthy sense of who she was. That's nice. Yeah, um, and she, yeah, very interesting character. Um, she's honored on a postage stamp. Uh, she has a bunch of different honors. Like film commission honored her, like gave her a street in New Jersey, in Jersey, of course, of course, Peter Bear away. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, she's definitely one of the earlier kind of uh, filmic archetypes, or she created that. Yeah. I from the studios. Did not recognize her name, but I do mm-hmm. recognize her face. Yeah. Looking her up. Yeah. Very Intriguing. cool. Yeah, Intriguing. very interesting. It's so funny how they're like, okay, girl from Cincinnati. Uh-huh. People can't Google you, so mm-hmm. we're going to completely rewrite your history, and this exactly. is who you are now. Exactly. You put some eyeliner on a girl. Yep. Changes everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> One lesson to learn from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> eyeliner. Cha- change your eyeliner. Change your life. Mm, exactly. And she did. Yeah. And she did. A couple of Jews, you guys. A couple of Jews. How about that? Yeah. Pretty close in history, too. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I know. Well, there you go. Hope now you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> go live your lives. Go put on some eyeliner and see yeah. what it does to your day. See, transform yourself. Yes. <laughs> With eyeliner. <laughs> Do it. Do um, it. So as of now, we don't know who the next interview is. It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle. Mm-hmm. So um, you're gonna. We have to be surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are too. Mm-hmm. So uh, hope you have a great rest of your Monday if you exactly. listen to it when it dropped. Mm-hmm. And we will see you in mm-hmm. a week. Yeah, we're never going anywhere. Ever. So be ready. Stay ready. Uh-huh. We're, we're the most consistent part of your life. Don't forget Don't it. Don't forget it. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Lost Boss Bitch is hosted by me, Lindsay Herbert Silberman. And me, Rebecca Lead. We're produced by Sammy Junio, and our music is by Chiffon Mist featuring Cassandra Violet. You can find the podcast at bossbitchpodcast.com. Okay, listening on iTunes. 
Instagram is Boss Bitch Podcast. Twitter is Boss B Podcast. Facebook is Boss B Podcast as well. Thanks for listening. 